Have you ever had questions when maybe you have someone that you've brought to our church services or someone that in discussion with regard to the congregation here, they ask you, well, why do you do this or why do you do that or why don't you do this or that? Anyone ever had questions from brethren or from vis visitors from the community that will ask those questions? Well, that's what this sermon is about. So the question is, why do we do what we do? And it's more not of a question mark, but an answer to that question, why we do what we do. Think about these church-related activities that questions will arise, and it's not limited to these things by, by any stretch. But, you know, why don't we use instruments when we worship God in song? Why don't we support certain groups or activities from the church treasury? Why is it that we partake of the communion on a weekly basis and not monthly or quarterly or yearly? And so when you hear these kinds of questions and many others like it, how do you respond? Here's the typical responses that you'll get because of Bible authority, right? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, Colossians 3.17, or we'll use a word called hermeneutics which is used to interpret, if you will. Or we might say, well, it's because we do things by faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so that's what we do. We do things by faith. Or we hold to the doctrine of Christ. And we use that phrase out of 2 John, verse 9. Right? And so whatever the, the reasons are, these are the stereotypical answers that we will give and if need be, then we go beyond it. We actually go into the scriptures and we talk about these particular questions that they're asking about because we want to give a thus saith the Lord. Here's the thing. What does it mean when we say Bible authority? I mean, we know the words and we can say, okay, here's the definition of Bible. Here's the definition of authority. Put them together, Bible authority. Or we can say, you know, hermeneutics. And what is that? Because there's a lot of brethren that will use these very terms and come to different answers on the questions that was just asked. So just saying Bible authority, just saying hermeneutics, just saying by faith or the doctrine of Christ does not in and of itself answer those questions, right? And when you study them, even as we were discussing this morning, not everyone comes to the same conclusion. Isn't that why we have denominations that exist to begin with? And when I say denominations, even among brothers and sisters in Christ, sex, divisions. And amongst us, we call ourselves liberal churches, conservative churches, mainstream churches, one cup churches, instrumental churches. I mean, all the different kinds that wear the name, quote unquote, churches of Christ. So here's the thing. When we go through the scriptures, we stereotypically will, will answer it in, along these generic lines. So when, when we come together on the first day of the week, we go to a place like Acts chapter 20 and verse 27. And, and when we read of these things, as you can read Acts chapter 20, the disciples actually came together on the first day of the week. We say, well, you know what? That's what they did. And so that is what we do. I mean, for all the terms you want to use with Bible authority, hermeneutics, this is basically what we're saying without using those terms. 
We don't read of where Christians played instruments while praising God in song. Right? And so, this is what we refrain from doing. You don't see in the churches where they were teaching to, to use instruments. And we read of how churches used the collection to help needy saints in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And interestingly enough, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the gun on just a little bit. Some will say, well, see, and here's what we're commanded. And I've noticed now in some churches in, that I visited on the Lord's Day where um, some brethren have recently had their discussions and studies over 1 Corinthians 16 and said, you know, we are not commended ourselves, but, but we still practice it. I forget what church I was recently at that they actually had that very statement that was brought out in the worship service. And, and so you have that or supporting men who preach the gospel. And we don't use it for entertainment purposes and so on and so forth. And so we limit our treasury to such practices as we revealed or as revealed in Scripture. I mean, in very simplistic terms, that's what we do or don't do. Because that's what we read or don't read. What we try to do, however, is take these terms and words and build systems, if you will, that have difficulty in its application. Let me show you what I believe has taken place among brethren when we use, it, when we use these various phrases and start narrowing them down this way. For instance, one says you need to have Bible authority to have a Bible classroom. These are brethren, as you may know of, as one-cup brethren. Because in addition, they take on the next, and they will say, another demands the need for just a cup, Matthew chapter 26, verse 27, or the cup, depending on your Bible translation, when partaking of the Lord's Supper. You need Bible authority, or you need a thus saith the Lord, or you need to speak as the oracles of God. And what happens, brethren, because in this congregation, and I'm going to venture to say almost everyone here is not a part of a congregation among brethren on these first two points. But what happens when brethren come to you and they say, listen, you're talking about Bible authority. You're using the word hermeneutics. You're talking about the doctrine of Christ. You're talking about doing things by faith. And yet, where's your authority for some of the things that you do or don't do? So we're using the same terms, but the application is different. So isn't that part of what we were discussing this morning in our class? Right? We're, we're discussing some of these matters. How about on, when 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches. And what we have done, brethren, I, I'm included in this list from, from years gone by where we've had these Bible studies we say, okay, the church is when we're all together. And technically, when we have Bible classes downstairs, then we're not together as a church. So now, women, you can speak. Or we'll say, and that concludes our worship service. We're over. Now, the very next second, women, you can speak now. That's what we've done. I mean, that's a reality. I mean, just calling it like it is. And so you have some brethren saying, listen. Women ought not to speak. And I'm not sure if you remember that young man that um, he had some, some mental issues. That's part of the reason why we have a police officer right now. Uh, but remember when he came and worshiped with us? I mean, he was like, as soon as you walk into the building, women, you could not speak. 
I mean, so you have brethren that are saying, we need Bible authority, and you know, here's what the Bible explicitly says. Women keep silent. As the law also says, verse 34, 1 Corinthians 14. So when you look at the application, what may be simple to you is simple if everyone agrees with you. Then it's simple. What happens when someone else comes and challenges that on your right side or your left side? How do you deal with that? And brethren, in this congregation, and I'm going to venture in every congregation of size, you're going to have brethren that differ on just about all kinds of issues. Right? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, as we were mentioning in our Bible study this morning, Christians saying, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe Jesus is the Christ. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. But we're talking about areas that are taboo subject matters or subject matters that are extremely explosive if we dealt with them. That happens. So from this vantage point, do you consider yourself heretics because we have Bible classrooms, brethren? Because that's how some brethren will view us here as heretics. Just as we view some brethren to our left as heretics for doing practices. That's a reality. This is what's going on in the name of whether it's Bible authority, hermeneutics, or whatever. That happens. And these are issues that will not be solved just because of a sermon. It will not be solved over the next 10 years. It hadn't been solved in in centuries. The problem exists because, brethren, I will say it on behalf of all of us. We are fallible. We don't have all the answers. The answers are all in here, but in our fallibility, in our inability to be perfect in understanding, we draw different conclusions. That's the reality. We don't want to say that because John chapter 17 says we're supposed to have unity, right? Jesus prayed for unity. And some brethren believe that means on every nuanced issue we'll have unity. But the reality is that is not what he prayed for, let alone is accomplished by brethren. That's the reality. And we can do one of two things. We can look at these matters and continue to openly study the scriptures together. And we will eventually, I believe, submit ourselves to the shepherds of the congregation that says, here's the way things will be as we come together as a collective body. Because there has to be agreement from that standpoint. That's the bottom line. But when it comes to application, we're going to see there are going to be areas that we study about that we're going to be in a section where some may view you as heretical, if you will, because you do certain things like the ones that I'm talking about right here as examples. So what's the real answer to the question, why we do what we do? I'm not giving any secret formula. What I'm saying is extremely simple, and it's biblical. We do what we do. You do what you do as an individual. We do what we do collectively as a congregation here because we love God. That's a simple answer, brethren. And I know someone, can, someone else can say, but I love God, and I come to a different conclusion. I get it. But why is it that we 
don't have instruments here because we love God and we, we honor, respect, we revere his word. We tell ourselves and we believe it by faith that when we speak, we're going to speak as the oracles of God. And the scriptures are silent about it. So we're going to be silent about it. We strive biblically to teach and practice our convictions from an individual standpoint. That's what we're looking at in Romans chapter 14 this morning. And that's what we're told to do as Paul was teaching in Romans 14. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 tells us then whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God. In other words, if we truly love God, we're going to honor and revere his word. Right? I can already hear the but. But why is it then when all brethren love and honor and revere God's word, we have all kinds of different teachings? That's because the application is inconsistent because we're all different. We're going to have to stand before God, not before each other. We will stand before God. And brethren, we have to let the chips fall. We have to stand by the convictions that we have individually and congregationally when it comes to the things that we practice, the things that we do. But we all do it because we love God. I mean, in fact, that was the whole point in Romans chapter 14. This person eats and does it unto the Lord. This person doesn't eat and does it unto the Lord. What is so detrimental in my personal, and this is where I'm getting into opinion now. What is so detrimental, and that's why we had the bulletin article on division, division is sin, is when we look at someone that has a different conclusion about any subject matter, and we tear them apart. <coughs> Having convictions, sticking to those very convictions very firmly, but lovingly with respect to the person that you are opposing or the congregation that we oppose in its teaching or ap application, its practice, is one thing. Destroying them? And we wonder how difficult it is then to share the gospel in the world. I'll give you an illustration. Because when I lived in Georgia, you know, I remember the first... I think the first or second year is back in 95, 96. I would go and meet, and I think now this, I think this person just moved across the state line to Kentucky, um, Scott Harp, preacher of an institutional congregation. Sat down with him, saying, not only are there differences that I'm well aware of between our congregations, that is an issue. But my personal concern had been all the stuff that was spoken behind each other's back. And I said, this we're going to have to study through. We have some major differences. But I said, what I don't like that really hurts my efforts in evangelizing in Fayetteville, Georgia, is all this backbiting among brethren. So that when I go into the community, you know what the community says to me? You guys can't even get along. And you call yourselves Christians. Brethren, I believe that to be detrimental to the cause of Christ. 
part of the great thing, and this is where uh, David had mentioned one of the statements or questions um, was dealing with the restoration movement. When you look at the spirit of the restoration movement in the early part of the movement, it was a spirit of how can we simply be Christians? It's one of the reasons why, in my personal, again, personal opinion, when we're having our Bible studies in the jail, that we have people from all walks of life that are coming into our studies, that are turning to the Lord. Because we're trying to teach them to simply be Christians. I'll be very clear, very upfront. I'm not trying to turn them into a church of Christer, if I can use that phrase in a, in a non-threatening way. I mean it with full love and respect. I'm not trying to turn them into that. I'm trying to turn them to Christ and to be a follower of Christ. That's what our brethren are doing. We've got 20, 25 of us going into the jails. That's what we're trying to do. When I go to the nursing home where Miss Carlotta and Miss Lou The numbers may be small. We've got, what, 10, 11 of us that maybe meet together and stuff. But there's more and more from various denominations that are beginning to come to our studies to share the scriptures as we study them. I don't want them to be um, a, quote, unquote, a church of Christ. I want them to be a Christian in the Lord's church. I hope you can see the distinction of what I'm trying to say. This is such a very important aspect of Christianity, the foundation of Christianity. And yes, we're going to have those differences that we have to deal with when it comes to all the questions, why we do or don't do certain things. And if you're going to be a part of this congregation, the shepherds have made the decision, this is the way things are going to be. We abide by that. We respect that. And we know that we're trying to honor God in those very things. But there are going to be individuals who call themselves Christians to your right and to your left that will have these very things. Like, I can't believe, I can't believe you have decorations here. Where your authority for that? We don't need padded pews, getting all this electricity. I mean, I'm getting overboard. You get the point. I mean, there's going to be things that we, we're going, well, um, yeah, I know it's not dealt with in Scripture. And then we get into principles. And then we start having different application of the very principles that we're using. And both guys are going into their corners, hunkering down, taking principles and using it for a weapon. Most unfortunate. We honor, we love God. We're going to honor His Word, revere His Word, have respect for it. So that whatever we do, we're going to try and do the best that we can because we see it in Scripture. We're going to do it by faith. And brethren, when we do it, there are going to be things. Um, I'll give you, for instance, since, you know, the things that we do. A few years ago, some of the things that we do by going into the jail wasn't done because it seemed like maybe that's iffy. Going into a jail and sharing the gospel because, and you fill in the blank. But what was a question mark for some a few years ago, brethren are embracing full arm that this is biblical to share the gospel with those precious souls. Or to simply help your neighbor. 
in your community because you love your neighbor just as Jesus taught us to love our neighbor. Those things that we do as an individual that others may say, well, you're doing it collectively, they're going to make those, those kinds of decisions and judgments not knowing the situation of things that we do individually here. But we're going to do it because we love God, we honor him, and we're going to respect his word and fulfill them and not be a church that doesn't do things, but a church that does things in the name of the Lord. So I want you to think about that, especially in light of our, you know, we're in the last couple of weeks of our quarter on discouragement, whether it be um, for people, things in the world, circumstances of life, among brethren, just internal discouragement that we had, that we struggle with. This is one of those things that we have to deal with. When people have questions, and those questions turn into these moments of potential, potential tension. But you love that person that you're answering the question to. And you share with them the best that you can from, from God's word, how we live by the word of God. That's the best you're going to do, brethren. And at the end, when the chips fall down... I guarantee you, I, I say this without any apology because I, I'm so sincere and convicted about this. You're going to need God's grace. Because if it is a, a matter of that you perfectly understand every single nuance, brethren, we're in trouble. Remember these things as you share the gospel. Speaking of the gospel... The decision that we have to say we love God and we honor him is what we're asking for those who have yet to come to know him. And I want to share this, and I, I was not intending to do this till after the fact, but I'm coveting your prayers. Because at the nursing home, you know, with the women and men, when the men do come, women surely outnumber the men there. Um, one of the women that we've been sharing the gospel with, she's 93 years old. Her name is Miss Melba. I talked to her about her soul, and she said, don't be surprised if you get a phone call. I don't want anyone else to know other than Miss Lou, because Miss Lou is the one that brought her to our Bible study to begin with, to be baptized into Christ, 93 years old. Now, recently, she's been told by some, uh, some of her friends, by all means, the last thing you need to do is to be baptized into Christ, to have your sins washed away. Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, Lord, I will be with you to the very end. And that's exactly what Peter and the apostles did when you read the book of Acts. In sharing the gospel, when brethren said, what shall we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Very simple. If you believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior and willing to confess him as such and willing to turn away from the way you're living and follow him, just as the song we're going to sing, by all means, we beg you, follow the teaching of God. It's explicitly taught in Scripture. It's not an opinion. It's explicitly commanded. You're not working your way to salvation by virtue of doing the will of God. You're doing the will of God because you love him, you honor him, and you want to follow him. And we beg you to follow him this morning or to return to him if you need.
And if you need our prayers, by all means, we'll be happy to pray for you right now. It's together we stand and sing.